We good? I, I made a mess of the desk. I'll you clean really? it up later. I'll, I'll clean it up later. Is cr- croissant powder on from the next guys comes on? <laughs> Thank Cheers. you. Cheers. What are we starting with? Uh, let's start with OpenAI. Also, croissant powder is croissant crumbs. <laughs> yeah, Thank you very much. The powder. <laughs> I was I was bouncing off the Lapaz conversation. <laughs> OpenAI. Welcome home. Sorry. Welcome home. Sorry, do you want to start that again? Because I was a bit abrasive. Welcome home, James. Thanks, Raf. It's good to be here. Did travel open your eyes? Travel did open my eyes. Did absence make the heart grow fonder? It certainly did. Yeah. I was sitting here in Mexico thinking, when can I get back to the, the down round desk to talk about technology? My wife may not be happy to hear that because it was our honeymoon, mm-hmm. but my mind at all points was, when can I be talking to Raf about the, the latest happenings in the technology world? And uh, as uh, people may have noticed, I couldn't wait. Mm. I had to talk about OpenAI while I was away. Now, at certain points in that conversation, I feel that you may have been distracted. Mm -hmm. And I know that if I were in that situation, I've been on honeymoon. Yep. And if I were podcasting, my wife may be sending me messages saying, you said half an hour, (laughs) you're at 45 min. Well, in fairness, I did actually tell Ali that it would be a 15-minute update. Just to cover off what was a relatively seismic event. It was seismic. It was big, you know, and I got the notification that Sam Altman had been fired from OpenAI just for context while I was in the cab on the way to the airport, which was a a challenging moment. Uh, And obviously that episode, I think we're recording for about an hour, Mm. but it was all good. Ali had her time to catch up on TikToks, which otherwise maybe she wouldn't have done while you're on honeymoon. Everyone benefited from uh, that that digression. Yeah. I would argue. She's going to listen to this and, and maybe take a different view. But for now, all is well. But we're back. Where we last left you. We don't need to fully relitigate everything because... You heard all that? You heard all that. It's been done a million times. But when we recorded, first remote recording... Altman was out. Microsoft put the deal on the table. We're just going to pick it up from there. Altman got boned as CEO from OpenAI. Satya had said, OpenAI, you guys can come to us. Come to Microsoft. Yeah, we'll, we'll hire all of you. We'll hire all of you at absurd salaries. We'll match your absurd AI, OpenAI salary. Yeah, and, and whatever the ESOP was, whatever your options are in, in OpenAI Corp or whatever, we'll match them. Yeah, so the idea was that Sam Altman would be the CEO of a new AI group within Microsoft in much the same way as like Microsoft Gaming it has its own CEO, yeah. CEO and is and lives relatively independently. Actually, that's a that's an interesting point that follows on from our conversation about like Xbox and Microsoft. The Xbox CEO, Phil Spencer, did an interview with The Verge the other day where he confirmed that Xbox has like its, in, its entirely own PL yeah. within Microsoft. Yeah, it's people were criticizing like, oh, wouldn't OpenAI just, wouldn't Sam Altman just be like a, a pawn within like the big Microsoft superstructure or whatever? And cards on the table, I'm a Microsoft stan. You know yeah. I'm going to rush to their defense because they need it. They need me to, you know. To, to be, yeah, on the, on the front lines here. <laughs> yeah, we must defend Microsoft. Microsoft, <laughs> where all the S's are dollar signs. <laughs> However, yeah, the same is true of like GitHub, right? It's like they, they seem to be remain Relatively pretty independent, independent within. As I said to you, I can't remember if I said it on the episode, but I definitely said it to you afterwards. I feel like all of that, regardless, was sort of a gambit on Satya Nadella's part yeah. to be like to the board of OpenAI. Yeah, yeah. He was politicking. He was politicking and being like, if you guys don't write the ship and make everything okay, I'm going to take all of your talent and make it live within Microsoft. It was and basically th- forcing OpenAI board's hand to rehire yeah. Sam. And, and him being like, subtly, how much AI safety stuff do you think I'm going to do? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> um, so, yeah. but, you know, all of our predictions, not all of them, but, you know, some of our conversation became moot within 24 hours yeah. when it was revealed that Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, fired, humiliated, reduced to nothing, mm. was going to return and everything was going to be the same. Yeah. Let's get into the ins and outs because obviously when we left you on our last episode, 
as, as we just said, it looked like the OpenAI team was potentially going to be integrated within Microsoft, run their own little fiefdom within Microsoft where they would be doing, I assume, exactly the same stuff. Essentially trying to rebuild the GPT infrastructure, but mm. within Microsoft directly. Yeah. And again, maybe that was just a empty threat. A foil. To get the system back in. But that's the way we left you. The situation right now, as OpenAI would like to tell you, is exactly the way it was before all this stuff went down. Mm. Sam Altman is the head of OpenAI. However, no longer on the board. He's not on the board anymore. They have a new board. So the situation now, that at least the one that OpenAI would want you to believe, is that everything is exactly the way it was. Mm. They're building the next generation of GPT. Yeah. They're releasing their GPT store. And what was objectively one of the most insane things that have happened in corporate America over the past decade, just like the compl- the most like childish, absurd digression yeah. did not happen. Yeah, yeah. And we're all good. Yeah. That thing that happened, forget it. Forget it. Where the CEO was fired and came back like four days later. Yeah. Doesn't matter. We're all good. <laughs> the OpenAI board has been shuffled significantly. There, there's some horror knots, I reckon. It's almost like a horror knot situation. There's some ins and outs. Yeah. So the people that have been removed, let's start with who's been lost from the OpenAI okay. board. Well, let's start, yeah, with the big dog himself, Sam Altman. Sam Altman is no longer on the board. Which I will say, and I said it at the time, that's actually not normal to not have a CEO on your board. There may be some weird co- corporate governance stuff here where, like, he's the CEO of the, like, LLC of the corporate one and not the NFP and blah, 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 blah. But that is a little weird to not have your CEO as a director. Yeah. But again, it is, they've maintained the weird nonprofit structure. Yeah. And as a reminder for everyone, the whole point of OpenAI originally was to, like, develop AI in a safe kind of way as a research organization and not as the next Apple. Not Microsoft. Do we're not AGI, no. like have the an AI that's smarter than humans, but like it not be owned by Microsoft. Yeah. So the people that are no longer on the board currently, Helen Toner, mm. who is the Australian, praise for a local, even though she doesn't talk in an Australian accent anymore. If you're watching, you're like, it's actually quite funny. If you look at old interviews with her. Yeah, this is psycho actually. It's actually vaguely deranged. You you look at old interviews with but, her. But old is like four years ago. Like four years ago, she has a very broad Australian accent. Yeah, she's doing Like an Australian years. academic voice. Yeah, and our then, voice, I would say. Totally. She sounds like us, just like you and me. Yeah. You know, and all the 26 million other Australians who live on this wide brown land. Let's be honest, our accent is probably high Australian. Maybe not high Australian, we're not. No, yeah. we're not. We're not we're high. Not, <laughs> but, no, we're not. You know, we're not. You know, Kevin Rudd. No, we're not. Talking, Alexander Downer. We're not talking like that. We're not, also not talking like news presenters. No, it's not thick and laconic like I. Can you bloody believe that they've knocked Helen out? Oh, Sheila, etc. You know, we're not doing that. Sorry, she sounds like me? us. Yeah, uh, and then you you listen to more recent interviews and she just has a straight like Bay Area Californian accent. Yeah. Completely. Strange. And with a uh, black turtleneck, it's worth noting. Yeah, yeah. I think I find that disqualifying. But anyway, she's like a researcher at Georgetown University's Center for Security and Emerging Technology, academic, very much like AI safety vibe. She's out. So the rumor with her, now, let's be clear. You were in Mexico. Mm. I was over in Micronesia. Uh, Guam? Yes. <laughs> You're in Guam. Uh, and you're still in Guam. Amongst other places. Okay. I was around, you know. It doesn't matter where I was. No, it's not important. When it happened. No, no please. It's not it's about not. me. No, it's, it's never has been. This podcast is not about me. It's about you, the listener. Yeah. It's about exactly you, the hero. So Helen, the rumor that was flying around and very reputable people seem to believe this rumor, or at least willing to countenance it. Well, some parts of this aren't rumor, I should be clear. So she wrote an article for an academic journal about uh, AI safety very recently. Uh, basically said, A, that like some elements of what OpenAI were doing could be perceived as not being safe, and B, there are some elements of what Anthropic were doing that were better than OpenAI. And as a reminder, Anthropic, they're behind Claude, which is like a GPT competitor, and Anthropic are former OpenAI employees yeah. who left because they thought OpenAI was not being safe yeah, in its exactly. development. And an OpenAI competitor who wants to be more safe than OpenAI from of former OpenAI people. So the, the initial rumor was that Sam Altman was furious 
that she would dare criticize OpenAI in a public forum like this. As ac- a board member. Yeah, as a board member in this academic era. And, and which, to be fair, that would be a little bit, you know. It's unusual for a board member of a, of a company. Yeah, yep. yeah. You're really you're supposed to be representative of the organization. However, the rumor then continues that Sam Altman actually didn't give a fuck because no one's reading that friggin' academic article, like journal article, because no one does. There's some stat about like the average academic journal article is read by 0.9 people, something like that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That may or may not be true, like everything we say. Yeah. This is not financial advice. This is not financial (laughs) advice. Do your own research. Et cetera. But he was basically using it. He wanted her off the board. All these AI safety freaks, not that she's a freak, apparently she is, does her thing, whatever. (laughs) Not a freak, does her thing. But, you know, Sam wanted go, go, go. He wanted her off the board. He used it as a, a cudgel, as a wedge to say he called up the other board members and being like, this is no good. Get rid of Helen off the board. She's got to go. You can't be criticizing us. In a public forum like this, the other board members were like, mm, you're, you don't believe that because realistically, as I said, no one reads these fucking articles and it was a barely like legitimate article that she wrote. Yep. You're using this as a cudgel to remove another board member, which is highly inappropriate. So this is actually the catalyst that we're going to use. In particular, Ilya, who, you know, was this, he's the fence-sitting guy who like the, he, the head scientist we talked yeah, about chief before. Ilya Sitskeva. He was the chief scientist. Apparently, it rubbed him up the wrong way because he actually largely agrees with Helen. And so the rest of the board saw this as an opportunity. Get Ilya over. Now is our moment. This is the the context right now after Sam has done this miscalculated attempt to remove Helen. Ilya's on board with us. Let's boot Sam. Sure, like, it's a weird context and OpenAI is at its peak. Everyone's popping. Everyone loves him. But, like, this is our only opportunity now because Ilya will side with us because he can see through Sam's attempt to move Helen. So, like, let's strike now. And it worked. Briefly. Very briefly worked. That's one kind of... Theory of the case. That's one yeah, theory of what, what went down at OpenAI that people are talking about. So anyway, if it was Sam's goal to get rid of Helen Toner, masterful gambit, sir, <laughs> because she is no longer on the board. Neither is Ilya. As I said, chief scientist of OpenAI. He was the guy that pulled the trigger. But then flip-flopped. He flip-flopped. He, he flip-flopped and he came back and now apparently they're great friends, him, mm. and, him and Sam. He's apologised for his, his conduct in removing Sam. And now they're, they're doing a lovey-dovey thing, but he's also off the board. <laughs> and so is Tasha McCauley, who's married to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, the actor. Mm. This is one of the things that a lot of like the AI accelerations people were like, who is this fucking woman? She's married to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and that's her only credential to be on the open AI board. She is an entrepreneur and has done a bunch of stuff. She, served as CS- she was the CEO of Geosim Systems, which was like an automated city modeling platform. I don't know what that means, but that's what she was doing. <laughs> She's also off the board. She's had the least reporting over what yeah. her whole role was in this sort of thing. But she was just on the, that side. She was on, the, like, the get the fire Sam side. Yeah. So they, those three have been ejected, of, essentially. Helen Toner's off. Tasha McCauley's off. Ilya Sitskeva is off. And Sam's off the board, but he is CEO, so let's, let's be frank about what his position of power yeah, is. Totally. They've replaced this team with some other members. So the number one is Brett Taylor who is former co-CEO of Salesforce Mm. and also is on the board of Shopify. And he's kind of like a professional tech industry sort of like big dog, maven, mediator. Like he's the kind of guy that you would absolutely hire to like smooth over a situation like this. exactly. He's very well respected within the industry. He's a guy who would be like the adult in the room, you know. And They've They've gone for an adult board. They've got. They've gone for people like you know. We're just things have got a bit crazy. We are sensible. This we're gonna, is a sensible. We're going to bring in some like people who are a natural fit to sort of resolve this. Brett Taylor is like people who, if you stick a microphone in front of them and ask them like a really hard hitting question, like AI will one day create child pornography. Yes or no. <laughs> And they will bore your ears off for 20 minutes without answering Exactly. Like, that's is, who you're bringing in. Is a Terminator going to kick my door down and kill me and my children? Yeah. Brett Taylor will have a very diplomatic, uh, reasoned response yeah. that sounds normal and is great for the media. Yeah. That's the kind of guy you're Yeah. In Saudi Arabia, you know, like, it's illegal for women to smoke weed. Would AI murder a weed-smoking woman? 
In Saudi Arabia. In Saudi Arabia. It would be like, that's a fascinating question. And it's something that we actually think about quite a lot at OpenAI. And then 20 more minutes of conversation. Yeah. That's who Brett Taylor is. Great. And unsurprisingly, the next member of the board, <laughs> Larry Summers. Larry Summers. Also very capable of a 20-minute boring answer. Yeah, totally. Uh, so Larry Summers, he was the Treasury Secretary during the Clinton administration. Mm-hmm, which tells you everything you it's need everything to know about Everything you this, need to know. It? He was like involved in the Obama administration. He's like a classic, like- He was the head of Harvard. Yeah, yeah he, exactly. He ran Harvard. He's a classic political functionary. Obviously knows how to negotiate with like Congress and like anyone that might be regu- working on a regulatory basis. Mm-hmm. He's also just like a classic political operator. He's a swamp guy. figure. Yeah, totally. He's hated by a lot of people. Yeah, He's resented by a lot of people that are sort of on the left side of politics. For and the right and the right. You know, he's not loved by lots, but he is an operator. Again, Brett Taylor, Larry Summers, the board they're building is like a political connected board. You can you can kind of see what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, of course. The whole thing is like, okay, AI is going to be rev- relatively disruptive. It's going to get a lot of like congressional and political from the media and from the from the institutions of America. We're going to have a board that's going to like negotiate that. Look, in the early days of a startup slash a scale up, whatever, like a business, you want people on the board. And this is actually not what OpenAI did, but typically it's a bunch of VCs who are going to. Make connections in order to grow your business as fast as friggin' possible. Yep. They want the business to grow. And then as it gets bigger, like what happens with every company, like Meta and blah, 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 your problems are more around regulation relating with governments and glad handing. And yep. you end up putting people with these kind of connections who are just like put in rooms and can see off all of those random things. And also regulatory capture, like create opportunities for you in the regulatory space, get you connected with the powers that be, et cetera. Same reason why, like, when Meta after Russiagate or whatever were like, oh, when it comes to truth on Meta, we've created a board of people who will determine what truth is. It included, like, a former Belgian prime minister. OpenAI skipped, like, the the VC investor level of, uh, like, board membership. They skipped the part where it's, like, the investors who want hyper growth. And instead, they had a bunch of kind of, like, Maybe I'm being unfair, but like kind of like academic kooks who thought about it in terms of is the technology that we're building going to kill everyone on earth? Yeah. Or take everyone's job and leave us in like a completely like politically tumultuous situation. Mm-hmm. That's who like the OpenAI board was. They definitely Which kind of made sense when, you know, they well, had a few different users who were various like developers using their AI their well, APIs. When like it was a re- literally a research organization yeah. that was like trying to build safe AI and wasn't trying to commercialize it necessarily. At least not to an extreme. Uh, and sorry, I should say it still makes sense if you actually believe in the charter of OpenAI, which is that we're going to develop AI safely. Yeah, blah, no, blah, like blah. it was it was You'd rather them than Larry the, the, Summers to be perfectly no, frank. The board made complete sense, but the board they have now is a board of we have scale and we just have scales. Make, yes. <laughs> a um, reptilian board. <laughs> it's a board of reptilians. Yeah, exactly. People who are like, how do we navigate mm. the like thorny political problems of what we're trying to do? Yeah. They're at the phase of Facebook hiring Nick Clegg as yeah. their, their global they, content. They jump straight to that, which they, you've got to give them props for. Mm. The remaining person on the board, other than that, is Adam D'Angelo, mm. which is really fascinating. The Quora guy. The Quora founder. For a while, the online discourse really turned against Adam. Yeah. And they thought that he was like the the true villain here. I'm yeah, talking the about instigator, yeah. From like the, the AI ultra fans. Because, yeah, he's the founder of Quora. I've talked about like one of the number one SEO spam websites mm. on earth, which is failing in the sense that it has definitely slipped from its highs. But Quora's latest project is Poe. And Poe is an AI platform which is basically just like you pay a subscription and you get access to a range of LLMs, which includes GPT-4, which is the open AI one, but it also includes Llama, which is Meta's AI. It also includes Claude, which is Anthropic's AI. It includes a whole bunch of them. And you can just get them all in one, one subscription and you can just pick which one you're talking to and use it from there. And people thought that, oh, well, it looks like this like Machiavellian villain, Adam D'Angelo, took down OpenAI because they were a competitor to his yeah. own product. Well, and, like, there was some crap about how, like, apparently they have a product that's much like GPTs. You know, ChatGPT released a product where you can 
build your own bot effectively, like your own kind of chat GPT with its own information. And apparently Poe slash Quora released a similar one, like either slightly slightly beforehand that um, Sam Altman would have been party to. And so the rumor was he was furious that um, Sam Altman copied his idea and so therefore tried to get him fired. That now seems to be like literally just a complete and utter rumor. No, no, I was, yeah, I think people got freaked out. For, but <laughs> the other, the part of the rumor where he was like the instigator or the holdout or the real barrier seemed to potentially be true. Mm. A lot of the reporting and like the information and elsewhere suggests he was the last holdout to bringing back Sam Altman for whatever reason. Mm. Another weird little connection is that Adam D'Angelo went to high school with Mark Zuckerberg. If you want to think in terms of like reptilian Illuminati conspiracy, that's one to one to tick off. Network thinking. It's network. Okay, sorry. Sorry, I got, to, I got to step back. Maybe it's not true. He was the guy that was apparently a holdout to bring Sam back. Mm. Still, it's very alien as to what his thinking was or his motivation. We'll talk about this in a sec in terms of like what we think the board's actual thinking was. But uh, he remains on the board, which mm. is like an interesting sort of twist. Yeah. Microsoft still doesn't have a seat, but they do have an observer seat. So obviously they're party to board decisions without actually having a vote. Yeah. Which is interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if this structure changes at some point very soon. Subtly, perhaps subtly. And, you know, Summers will be, Larry Summers will announce the restructuring for governance reasons. And it'll be a very sensible restructure. Obviously, the structure as it existed couldn't uh, persevere. There was some instability to it. Here is a new, very sensible structure that may or may not involve Microsoft potentially having a little bit more power. Yeah. You know, I think in our in the emergency episode recorded, we talked about, you know, the theory that this is all a great conspiracy to upend what was a very restrictive board structure to create one where it was totally possible without obstacle for Sam Altman to create the next Apple. Yeah. I'm not saying that's true, but looking at the result, you could be forgiven for thinking that's what's happened. He got sacked, an academic, academically focused, effective altruist aligned board is Mm. gone Mm. or disempowered. And what you have instead is Brett Taylor and Larry Summers, two guys who, I'm going to put it out there, are not against the idea of making a bit of moolah. (laughs) historically, are now sort of like in the driver's seat. Mm. And OpenAI is therefore empowered. I don't think Larry Summers is going to be a Helen Toner thinking academically about the future, about yeah. like I don't think he's publishing that many articles no. over like how transformer models. He's more thinking about like how is AI going to unlock the labour market. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And so he, he'll predict a 1% increase in productivity yeah. you know, based on the latest thing research from OpenAI. Yeah. So the, the, the part that we didn't get into too much, it was all nascent and whatever, was that the board, when they were still the, the old board and then were, were empowered to make decisions, they had fired Sam Altman. They tried to bring in the Anthropic CEO to, to run it instead. Mm. They said Helen Turner liked the way that Anthropic was operating more than they liked how OpenAI was in, was Didn't work. He immediately turned them down. He was happy to stick there. They wanted to try and merge Anthropic with OpenAI. Crazy was, call to receive if you're the CEO of Anthropic. Yeah, do you want to come back? and You know your number one competitor who's like way bigger than you. How about running it? How about running it and bringing your whole team yeah. in? Didn't work. But they brought in Emmett Shear, who is the former CEO of Twitch, do we talk about this in this episode? Yeah, we did. We, we talked about this. It, it and he's, an AI, he's an AI safety guy. And that's right. We, AI safety guy, AL or reply guy. Yep. You know. But the thing that kind of happened afterwards is that Emmett, uh, who did a big sort of post being like, I'm going to do X and Y and whatever and work, get an independent inve- investigation going into what happened. Mm. I'm very proud. Which is still on the cards, by the way. There's still yeah. going to be an independent investigation. I, there's still going to be an independent investigation. But the reporting from like the information and a few other places suggests is that he went to the board and said, can you explain to me in concrete terms what Sam Altman did wrong yeah. to get fired? Well, I, again, to reiterate, the board suggested that he had not been candid. He'd not been candid. He'd, have, he'd in some way, he'd either obscured the truth or lied to them. Yeah, is, is what the implication was. And the natural takeaway among the people that were arguing about this endlessly on X or Twitter was: this is a war between AI accelerationists mm. and you know 
we did an episode on the effective acceleration movement. Mm. Our paid listeners will know about it because it was a paid episode. But if you're not a paid listener, go back and have a listen. Go we'll link it in the description. We'll I was given some feedback. You guys always say we, you guys being me and you, James. I'm talking directly to James here. Yep. That like you guys always say like, oh, go back and listen to this episode and a smart podcast would link that in the description. Yeah. Link well, in the description to our EAC episode. Uh, and yeah. And if you're not a, a paying member, chuck a seven bucks and you can have a listen to it. Mm. We talked about these people. But the general consensus was this was a war between people who want to slam their foot on the gas with AI. Yeah. And people who want to slam their foot on the brakes. Yeah. We did mention this. Yeah. And I didn't call... I didn't, I don't want to call you out here, and calling out is maybe a strong word. Call me in. Call you in. I'll call you in. I'll <laughs> bring you in. Well, you said like an Excel versus D-cell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, I will say the word D-cell, part of the, the E-ACK, the acceleration. It's part of their lingo, yeah. It's yeah. their lingo. Like that's, no one self-identifies as, as a D-cell. No, no, no. But we should probably explain what these two things are. I no, no, no. So like the accelerationists think, let's just like unleash. Let it rip. Let it rip. Let's like develop AI with no consideration to safety. And again, listen to the EAC episode. It starts with kind of, you know, technology is good for mankind and devolves not quickly, like it takes a while to get there, but basically the fundamental philosophy is that, you know, entropy is a natural state of the world and burning energy and like dispersing it into the atmosphere and the universe is uh the prime directive of humanity and it kind of gets a bit spiritual in the idea that like it's a, human life is subservient to the idea of human information being spread. So if we are overtaken by AI, that's good. Like that's the humans just exploring the universe and like fulfilling our destiny. Yeah. Even without the, cause there's a lot of people that are into it without that weird culty stuff. The idea is like, forget about the impact on society and jobs and mm. the economy. Let's just like develop AI at an insane pace. And uh, it's probably fair to say because like, yeah, you read the manifestos and yes, they end in all humanity should die. Yeah. And, <laughs> but like, and yeah, totally. but you're dead right that 99% of people who are like, oh, e this EAC thing seems pretty cool are just people who want to make heaps of money and hate regulation. Yeah, totally. It's like, it's standard like, yeah, vaguely libertarian sort of stuff. And they're like, this guy's really cool. Don't know about some of that stuff, but like yeah. totally agree with the let's let AI rip. Yeah, yeah. and we'll get back to this in a sec because there's a... <laughs> development in this world too. But the other side of the, the coin being people like, hold up, wait, this might cause issues if we just like develop LLMs or AI and intelligences at a real level. What happens to like the humble <laughs> office worker and data entry specialist? What about guys that get on their laptop and just send what about emails? internal comms? You yeah, know? Go, go. What about internal comms writing an article about and nice ways to spend are you okay day. Yeah, exactly. What happens to those guys in a world where a computer can do that? What happens to your humble email sender mm. who spends all day following up on things? Yeah. What happens to them when an LLM can follow up for you? Yeah, what happens to the person who's tasked with, wait, so hold on, is anyone uh, taking action items from this meeting? <laughs> well, yeah, there's always someone taking action items and that person is a computer. Wow. Uh, I'm sure like, I'm sure the ASA people have more sophisticated interest than that. No, no, sorry. Well, it starts with that. But then, I mean, let's be, look, let's properly outline it here. They're obviously worried about diversity issues and, um, you know, bias, bias in AI. Bias in AI. That's yep. one thing, you know, is who is the coolest person? Like, what if the AI always says a chick smoking a dart into footy, you know, and doesn't mm -hmm. take into consideration non-smoking men on a tech podcast, for example? Imagine that. You know, that would be a bias. Imagine, imagine <laughs> if you asked, what, who is the coolest mu musician on earth? And it said Jamiroquai. <laughs> obvious that, bias is at play. Obviously, <laughs> obvious bias. When the real answer is Bob Marley. That's the kind of stuff that the AI safety people Does that, are trying to avoid. And to the, like, the nth degree, obviously, the big one is the Doomers. And again, link in description. AI doom. AI doom. Paperclip theory. What if you ask the AI like, hey, beat the, this grandmaster at chess. The AI just does whatever it can to beat that AI grandmaster at chess, including manipulating his DNA and, you know, sending that off somewhere to like change his water supply in, in his short, house. And what if AI kills everybody? What if AI kills everyone? And again, listen to the AI doom episode. In some ways, I have respect for these fellas fellas being a, a gender neutral term, because 
if you genuinely believe, because there's a lot of people out there, famous people who are like, I put the chance of AI wiping out humanity at 5%. It's like, if you believe that, if you do believe that, then you should be like our boy, Eliza Yudkowsky, and say, if you believe that like AI is literally going to kill us, or there's a good chance, there's a chance, a one in 10, you know, like, what's the chance of me, you know, flipping tails three times in a row? That's the chance that AI is going to kill us. You should be like Elijah and just be like, nuke all NVIDIA data centers. Yeah, just, Anyone yeah. with a graphics card? Kill them. Kill them. Put a bomb yeah. in them. So anyway, sorry, that's the other, that's the decel movement. Decelerate. Let's slow it down slash from, let's think about making uh, ChatGPT more woke is one end of that, with the other end being like, nuke the server farms. Yep. Now, you, the listener, I hope you understand now what an accelerationist is versus decelerationist. Yeah, totally. And, and the next part of this, this statement is that that's what everyone assumed the argument was about. Yeah. And they brought it to, like, really dramatic terms. Yeah. You know, if you, if you were on, like, X or Twitter during that time and following all the AI thinkers, the general thesis was this is what has gotten Sam Altman fired. This is war. It's war. It's, it's a declaration of war by these people who are trying to stop me from getting incredibly like high resolution 4k ai pornography yeah which i crave so deeply mm. and they're trying to stop it because they think that ai porn is going to turn everybody into paper clips. yeah or slash me copy pasting my code and being like find bugs you know i like the fact that i can find bugs in my code yeah yeah, yeah. and it turns out now that the dust has settled as the open ai board is insisting like helen toner did a thread on twitter uh, and a few other things have come through. That wasn't the case. It wasn't about accelerationism, even though, like, you know, evidently it was to a certain degree. That board wanted AI to be developed slowly and safely. Yeah, yeah. But they were like, it wasn't about Sam Altman being like, slam his foot on the gas and us being like, slam his foot on the brakes. Yeah, it wasn't like Sam Altman being like, ah, Pandora's box, I open it. I got to yeah. open that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would open that shit, by the way. Yeah. I mean, if I saw Pandora's box, it was in my possession, oh, I'd be open to that. Absolutely. Yeah, just what, are you going to leave it closed? No, it's my natural curiosity. <laughs> yeah, I'm a curious person. But uh, I think one of the most telling posts was Ezra Klein, who journalist, he's at New York Times, used to be, he was a founder of Vox. You know, he did a thread on threads. This is a big up to you as a threads maxi, threads ultra. Where he, threads. where he said, you know, I've spoken to a bunch of people on all sides of this. I've spoken to Sam Altman. I've spoken to people on the board. I've spoken to people that have spoken to people on the board. And my takeaway, as is recline, is that it wasn't really about this acceleration, deceleration thing. It was purely the fact that the board thought they no longer had control of Sam Altman. Yeah. They could not stop him from doing anything. Mm. He called the shots. He wasn't honest with them about stuff that he was working on developing at OpenAI, and they thought this was the only time as a researcher organization that we're on the board of that we can, like, slam our foot on the on the brakes and say this is not what this organization was set up to do. And they were dead right in that Sam was and is, quote-unquote, as you could tell from the friggin' reaction, a superstar CEO. There's a thing in, especially in, like, startup culture and whatnot in, in private companies where... A board isn't really necessary. It's not legally necessary, right? There's no reason to have a board of directors or, or an advisory board or whatever. It's personal choice. Once you go public, yes, you have to have one. There's laws, governance, etc. But you don't necessarily need a board. And there's a big vibe in founders, in like startup community about a board just slows you down. Why do I have to every month or in America every kind of three months provide this super in-depth presentation to a bunch of people who don't, who aren't building a frigging company, who don't know the ins and outs of my business. They don't get it. They don't get the marketing context. They don't get the vertical, blah, blah, blah. Why do I have to report to these people who just ask me annoying questions, which is what the job of a director is, ask annoying questions, like probe, you know, what happens if this, what happens in, if that, how's this going? Yep. Here's some feedback, blah, 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 blah. Boards are seen as annoying. And as something that's slowing you down, why do I as a CEO have to waste all this frigging time reporting to these people who don't even understand my business because yeah, they're, they're not like engaged? No, and no, like normally in a startup context, you have a book just demanded by the people who are investing. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's mostly a bunch of VCs. Yeah. Sam Altman would find that quite annoying, especially given that the, they're academics who are largely concerned with AI safety and would be spending the entire time being like, you need to explain about how you factored in safety into this. 
aligned with our mission, blah, 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 blah. No, it's a totally, yeah. It, I mean, we, we've said it ad nauseum, but it's a, as a board, it's very different to have a bunch of VCs who are like, what's your recurring revenue per month? Yeah. What's your like cost of acquisition per customer? Yeah, I noticed that churn was at, gone up by 0.5%. What is your plan to avert that churn? I mean, that's- What are you doing about churn? That's very annoying, but it's also very different to a board that's like, what are you doing to stop this computer from killing me? Yeah. And then <laughs> the flip side being, everyone's fawning over Sam. Sam doesn't, the board would basically be an annoyance to him. Of course, he's not telling them everything and being- running them through every single new thing, running them through every single new feature because presumably he's pretty busy and he's fucking loving it, mate. He's loving it. He's, he's in the spotlight. He's, the Steve, he's like the, the, the modern Steve Jobs. Everyone's, everyone wants to suck him off. Exactly. He's, like, <laughs> he's, he's the, the king. king. He's king Sam. He's building the new thing. Um, yeah, and so, he's, so he is running roughshod over the board and the board are losing power and it is all about Sam and Sam does have more power than them yeah. and more control than I, them. I think like... The, the comparison would be like, imagine you're on the board of like the Cancer Council in New South Wales mm. and, the, and the CEO of Cancer Council is like- Is Kanye. <laughs> is Kanye. And you know how like the Cancer Council have like the branded sunscreen? Yeah. He was like, I'm building the best sunscreen on, the, on earth and I'm like selling it in stores in yeah. like- in the US and Europe. SPF you know? 1 million plus. We're a million plus SPF. We're doing like partnerships. And you can't even feel it. It's, just, it's like a light foam. It's actually, it's kind of like getting like one of those uzu mists. Yeah, totally. And he's like, and we're, we're doing a partnership with Gucci. And, like, and the board is kind of like, ah, oh, you know, isn't our job to like reduce melanoma in Australia? And he's like, no, baby. I've got a sick new shoe collaboration. We like the Cancer Council flower on it. <laughs> That's the kind of situation you're dealing with here. Yeah. So you can kind of like, on the board side, you can understand that they're sort of like, this was the only time we thought we could slam the brakes. Yeah, they yeah. obviously fucked it up dramatically. Like I'm not, I'm not even going to remotely pretend that they had a strategy here. No. Because like, it seems like every journalist who asked and got co like was connected to the board and was like, can you explain to me and give me even a single example of Sam Altman? not being candid with you or being not communicating or doing something wrong. And the answer was like, nah, we can't. Totally. They, they yeah. certainly have not. On this, I think that they, A, I think that it moved very fast and they had a very brief window, an opportunity. They saw their power slipping away and they're like, we've got to move now or else we'll never be able to move because his stardom is only growing. But B, I think that they're being very careful about being, as soon as you make the claim that someone has lied or, you know, said something or done something, then you're opening yourself up to legal cases, right? Yeah, like, yeah, no. So they got to be very careful about, like, what their claim is. Because I believe that Sam has not been forthcoming with them because, as I said, he's off doing he's, talks and doing interviews he's and, doing like, announcing things. He's and, doing something completely different from what ostensibly his role is supposed to be or the company is supposed to do. Yeah, he's not checking in with them. And so I'm sure he's not being candid and maybe they're asking him questions and he's not dedicating time to the response. He's probably just, oh, yeah, it's something yeah, like yeah. this. But here's we, the plan. Yeah, here's the roadmap. Yeah, yeah we, sure, send him the roadmap. Yeah, yeah. If we return to like the <laughs> – imagine the Cancer Council released this sneaker collaboration with <laughs> Adidas and it was selling like – 20 million units a year. <laughs> yeah, the Cancer Council is it's, looking like everyone's whispering. It's like it's about to enter the top 20 businesses in the world. <laughs> That's it's, it's <laughs> Like by revenue. Like, this is the most fire shoe I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it would be pretty hard to fire Kanye from the New South Wales Cancer Council <laughs> yes. at that point because he may not be living up to the, the original goal. No. But he's certainly doing something that's like civilizationally resonant. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone in the world will be wearing those shoes. Where are those shoes that wearing that 1 million plus? And we SPF. haven't quite worked out what the impact is of everyone on earth wearing the same pair of shoes. We know it's going to be big. <laughs> it's going to be weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you kind of get you get where they you get where they um where they're coming from. They obviously fucked up the execution clearly because they're all gone except for except for one guy. But yeah, I mean on the other side of all of this it's obviously got to have dramatic effects on how OpenAI is 
internal culture is working. Mm. The unspoken thing is one of the reasons it didn't work is like almost every employer, yeah. or like 90% plus yeah, of yeah. the employee, except for like the alignment team who were yeah. sort of like the the ones who aren't necessarily building things but yeah. are thinking of ways to keep AI safe. Well, I think when we did our episode, we were like of the 750 employees, 500 or so, 450 said they'll go to Microsoft. It turned out to be like 710. Yeah, right? it was like almost everyone mm. and the early ones outstanding were like Ilya Sitzkeva's alignment team mm. so i mean that was completely untenable yes but that's you, where we were at at the time it was like that open ai ceases to exist it ceases to exist or it exists with 40 people none All of in whom, alignment none of whom are like engineers or anything so again you, you got to ask the question of like did they think about whether like the culty vibe that had been cultivated within open ai was going to be was able to be stopped by someone but like i don't know what they were thinking but they obviously failed you would have to think that that Microsoft, maybe they're more comfortable with the current board structure. They would have to be, but you would think they would be like less certain about their relationship with OpenAI. They may have like risk calculated out the ass to make sure it was okay, but I don't think any of them would have anticipated something like this happening. No, people keep saying like, how could they do this yeah. without any uh, a board seat or whatever? How could Microsoft have? invested all this money in OpenAI without a board seat and without any power. Like, what a big failure of governance. Microsoft would have run it through risk. They would have dotted the I's. They would have have been highly aware of the fact that they didn't have a board seat. And of the weird governance structure, this wasn't just like a, oh, they just was like, oh, no, who cares about the governance structure? We'll just invest anyway. They would have run the numbers. They would have done the due diligence. They would have done the scenario planning to a certain extent. Like, maybe, as you said, not to, like, we're going to have a random board coup. Like they might not have run that. They would have been aware of their situation and they would have had in the mitigated column, like how to like risk mitigation is like board pull goes funding. crazy. Yeah. But board goes crazy, pull funding. Yeah. Like, you, like that leverage uh, investment and reliance on servers in order to like achieve the outcome we want. Also, other like risk mitigation is like owning the IP of OpenAI in perpetuity. So we always have access to their models, et cetera, et cetera. So they would have done some planning, but yes, it still isn't a great look. Let's be perfectly frank. If you're a Microsoft shareholder, to be like, what was your due diligence over this large investment that you're uh, putting a you know, a big part of Microsoft future on? You've been in the farm on a company and are investing billions and billions of dollars into a company that is overseen by a bunch of people you have no control over yeah. who have completely different priorities to you. Yeah, I want to like flag, you've invested billions of millions. A lot of that, quote unquote, like money is in like Azure. That's true. Like, yeah, credits, yeah. basically. Sure. Like, we're talking about like a big, you know, if you sign, if you if you do a startup, for example, you've got basically three choices, let's be honest, AWS, Google, or Microsoft. And it's pretty easy to get yourself, you know, a good 50K in credits. I see the open AI deal more like a just, you know, 16 billion kind of <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> 9 billion like, a lot like of Azure it, credits. A lot of it was Azure credit, but it's still like an output, And over right? time though, but over time, like I, I think that the risks were not quite as high as like people make no, out. No, you're, you're probably right. But even aside from like the actual material output, they were still betting the farm on yeah. integrating this technology into everything. Yeah, yeah. and it is. Has. It's like it's they threw it into Bing amazingly quickly. It's in Windows, like it is there. It, yeah, it offers whatever. So they're, they're betting the farm on it, and part of that bet was that into an organization that you don't have control over, and the people that do have control over it have diametrically opposed priorities to what you have mm-hmm. as Microsoft. So you would have to think that they are, even though it looks a lot more stable potentially than what it was before, you would have to think that Satya Nadella is being like, is maybe a little bit less certain. Because like the, other, the other side of it was, it wasn't just they had no control. They Microsoft did not know until like two minutes before the announcement yeah. that Sam Altman, their like main guy, the guy that's like the, you know, quote unquote, the next Steve Jobs or whatever, was being sacked from the company yeah. they had bet the farm on. Oh, look, my counterpoint to that is, to that, and I, which is fair criticism, like yeah. I will say, is flip side is think about the um, agility of a company, the size of Microsoft to A, be able to throw their lot in and integrate as far uh, as quickly as they have with OpenAI. And then once the situation gets seriously rocky, be able to navigate it. And let's be honest, like 
Sachin Adela played a large role in whatever the fuck happened over that kind of 72 hours and come out the other side basically with more power and a win. Yes, like should they not have put themselves in that position you know, in the first place? But B, if you can back yourself to get out, you move fast, you back things. They have undoubtedly taken, they're basically in the number one spot when it comes to AI now, which no one would have predicted six or seven years ago. No. Like if you're like, there's going to be a dominant company in AI, who is it? People saying like Microsoft is not on the bingo card. No, no, no. Yes, I think they took a huge risk with their the gamble with OpenAI. And at this stage, if we look back in five years' time, the Sam Altman thing will probably be a blip. And if anything, it's like, oh, that was when Microsoft consolidated their power over OpenAI. Yeah, like, I, think, I think you're probably right. And we, we talked about, it was, it was interesting because we at the end of our emergency episode, we said, you know, for the first time since OpenAI and ChatGPT and whatever became household names or reasonably household names, like the future of AI, of AI is up in the air. Hmm. Like anyone could step in now and take over. Maybe yeah. it's Anthropic, maybe it's Google, maybe it's whatever. And it's interesting the level to which the situation seems to have stabilised. Mm. OpenAI sort of back on top as like the clear winners, at least for the, the near future. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that's happened... Can I say, did you get an email, maybe it was this morning, if not like the, yesterday or something, from OpenAI being like, uh, just a quick announcement on GPTs? Because I got this one because I don't know, I've made a few or whatever. We know that we announced that a GPT's marketplace would be out before the end of November, I think it said. Oh, yeah, I got uh, this. It's been, no, they're it's like been delayed. They were like, some stuff came up. That was basically what they said, almost <laughs> verbatim. It's, been, and, it's yeah. been delayed, but we are still intent on releasing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're still doing the GPT store, which is like the app store kind of vibe of custom chat GPT rollouts, essentially, or, or models, mm. was theorizes one of the things that pushed the board over the limit to say that we need to put a stop to this. I don't know if, based on the information we have now, if that's true, but anyway, whatever. But one of the other announcements that came out is that Google, who have been, you know, Google released Bard, which was like a rushed out LLM competitor to ChatGPT and was not that good. A lot of people, no one's really using Bard to do anything productive. Mm. They rushed that out, but they're also working on one called Gemini, which is supposed to be like a GPT-4 at least Challenger, maybe better, at least at the level of GPT-4. Mm. They've announced that that's been delayed again further into 2024. So the idea is that the situation has stabilized at OpenAI. None of their competitors, there's a lot of like GPT-3 level stuff. Mm. Twitter or Elon Musk, Grok is kind of at that level. There's a few other ones that are at that level, open source, whatever. No one is like at a GPT-4 level. Like mm. they've managed to stay ahead of the pack and it looks like Google, one of their biggest threats, doesn't have the juice. Yeah. Um, so they are making it slightly worse, GPT-4. I saw people on Twitter being like, have you noticed, like I've been asking it for code and it's giving me like a vague example and saying you do the rest. And I was like, that's weird. That hasn't happened to me. That's been now happening to me where it's just like, I'm like, yeah, I need code that says this. And it's like, well, the way you could do it is here are five steps and like, here's a little bit of an example code and, you know, now look up the documentation and do it yourself. And you really have to be like, no, no, no. Like, I want you to give me the code. And sorry, apologize to, apologies to everyone who received, who got spammed from downround, like a downround email. I do blame chat GPT and, <laughs> and incomplete code for the fact that I sent an email out to many, many of you, of all of our premium subscribers with, with no, no content. But yeah. that is the fault of ChatGPT. I think trying to cut down on the amount of tokens. Yeah, you know, I th I don't know if it's like relevant to what's been going on at the corporate level in in OpenAI, but it does seem like a lot of people complain that ChatGPT or GPT four or whatever feels neutered because mm. and it's not performing as well as it has. And it's it's evident to anyone that uses it regularly that it does seem to be like putting out shorter answers, mm. worse code. And I think it's just like the balance of them being like, we are just burning through money. Yeah, yeah. We need to reduce the number of tokens that it's out. We need to it reduce the amount of the Azure credits, credits that we're burning that, through, yeah, startup credits. Especially now that Satya is probably more uneasy about what's happening on the open AI side of things. Anyway, but we'll see what happens. But regardless of that stuff, like that rocky sort of thing, they're still ahead. So update from the last episode where we said maybe, maybe they wouldn't be. They are. Yes. Um, but I don't know. I still think over the next year we're going to see a lot of open uh, open source stuff that's at parity or maybe. Yeah. And as we said in the last episode, like it's still pretty unstable, the corporate structure, even though like they're obviously trying to consolidate and they're obviously trying to make it 
a bit more of a formal kind of private board, it still has a weird structure. As I said, my prediction is that we will see some consolidation in in you know the company constitution or whatever it is in over the next probably months, especially once this has all died down. It'll probably be very, very kind of quiet Friday night push out. You know, the directors have deemed this. There's been an update to the constitution moving on. It makes it a bit more interesting. It's definitely more interesting. And EAC, <laughs> the accelerationist versus the D cells. Oh, yeah. I, I did say I was going to give an update. The big update is that Beth Jesus, uh, who listeners to our EAC episode will have heard of this guy. He's one yeah. of the leading lights. At based Beth Jesus. Based Beth Jesus, who's one of the uh, main a pseudonymous figure within the industry or within the, sorry, within the uh, the culty sort of movement, was doxed by Forbes. <laughs> doxed by Forbes. Doxed by Forbes. And he was revealed to be just like a French-Canadian software developer. Yeah, called Guillaume. Guillaume. Uh, he, who works, who has his own AI startup, like a weird, used to work at Google X, which is like their moonshot experimental research division, mm. working on quantum computing. And basically, this is a guy who spends all days posting on Twitter in like weird uh, in-joke, meme stuff. Yeah, being all like, lowercase kind of vibe. It, it, totally, being like, we need to like accelerate. And if that means that everyone dies and we get replaced with like a, a swarm of like computer dro- ultra intelligent computer drones. Great. Yeah. It is worth saying like these guys, the EAC versus the effective altruism, the EAC people really are drumming it up like this kind of war of the worlds. It's very similar to the, you know, the the right wingers, the kind of Pepe people doing the like Knights of the Cross or whatever crap. You know, like, no, like yeah, yeah, yeah. This real kind of we're in a war with the decelerationists. Like, this is about the future of humanity. They do really drum that up. No, they I, know, I know they do it, like, ironically or whatever. No, yeah, no, no, no. I, I mean, I, I have lots of thoughts about this that I'm not going to, like, pollute the, the podcast with. But, like, it, it, it's very cringe. Yes. I find it just, like, phenomenally cringe. It's like, you're a bunch of tech guys who are trying to build stuff. You all have companies. The religion stuff is not hitting. <laughs> Like I maybe fine, but like if you if you pitched that kind of stuff to any normal person, like anyone, like imagine these guys are like a family barbecue. I, I was literally just thinking about them at starting their diatribe to just like one of my mates. It's Christmas, you know, or it's Thanksgiving, whatever. If we're talking North America, oh, Gim, uh, what have you been working on? Like you've got it. You work in AI or something. And he starts going on about like this ultra intelligent swarm of AI drones that are replacing humanity. And they're like, oh, okay. Your cousin is like a bricklayer. He's doing really well. He actually just bought a house in uh, Montreal. (laughs) 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 Work on this stuff. Great. Let's not pretend that you're creating this like society-wide movement. Mm. But no it's the cares. same shit as like the Dadaists and the futurists of like the early like, 20th century, right? It's, it's just it another was, fucking it was, it was only ever like two dozen guys in these yeah. movements, you know? It's like some dudes with moustaches. Nowadays, they don't have a moustache. No, maybe maybe we'll, we will look back in the history books and be like, these accelerations really defined the way that like the arc of humanity moved. But for now... It's LARPing. Cringe. If you're listening to this, you are not subscribed to Downround Premium. If you were subscribed to Downround Premium, you would be getting a second episode a week. You wouldn't be hearing this. You wouldn't be hearing any other ads either. If you go to downround.net, you can sign up right now, get access to the whole back catalogue, extra episode a week, no ads, seven bucks a month. Pretty good deal, James. Spectacular deal, Ralph. 